0: From Public Radio. Preventing truth decay. Truth decay.
1: Next. Reality Check Live. They decided they needed to test their weapon on a human. And where do you get a human that you can test a biological weapon on that nobody's going to miss? And the answer to that is on death row at Angola Penitentiary. It's
0: next.
2: Dish TV is better than cable TV. Why? Because you can save 45% on packages compared to your high-priced cable bill. that's 800-818-3967.
0: We have taken over your radio, we are now in control. We can crank up your radio's volume, or we can turn it down so low that you can barely hear it. Then we can turn it back up. And mess around with the bass line. Or we can crank up the treble. We can blow out your left speaker. Oh
3: my God.
0: We can even make your radio sound like a broken CD. We are in total charge. We are in complete control. We are.
2: Reality Check. Live. We're
4: going to talk right now with Ed Haslam. He is the author of a very cool tome. You can hear it banging. Filled with incredible pictures you will have never seen before. It's called Dr. Mary's Monkey. How the unsolved murder of a doctor, a secret laboratory in New Orleans, and cancer-causing monkey viruses are linked to Lee Harvey Oswald, the JFK assassination, and emerging global ec- epidemics. Wow. Wow. All in one, huh? Yeah, and it's absolutely true. It's well-researched. It's footnoted wildly. You can see more. Check it out even during the conversation simply by going to drmarysmonkey.com drmarysmonkey.com and find out more. Let's say hi to Ed Haslam and welcome to The Smart Show. How are you doing, Gary? Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for being here. I wish that we could talk about fetishes but alas uh, this is much more sobering and has i think a much greater impact than somebody's personal pleasure here and we're talking at aslam about um cancer really which has killed more americans than all of the wars combined and the government's explicit involvement in the early 1960s when john f kennedy was president and actually um well, I can't avoid the pun, monkeying with cancer viruses, right?
1: Well, that's right. Um, they well, first of all, this book started off being an investigation into the murder of this one woman, and it just mushroomed out from there. And each, it's like each doorway or each uh, tentacle that connects to the center of it goes into a, a, another um, room. And on the monkey virus issue, um, the story goes back to the polio vaccines. And what happened was um, they were in such an urgent rush to develop a polio vaccine. I can talk about why that is in a second. But the point is they were in a great big rush. They were trying to produce 200 million doses of it. And they found that the polio virus grew very quickly and very nicely on monkey kidney cells. So they were busy killing rhesus monkeys and cutting out their kidneys and putting them in blenders and putting them in petri dishes and started in a manufacturing um, environment, creating hundreds of millions of doses of the polio vaccine, which they officially started releasing in April of 1955. And the... The big point here is after they had released about 100 million doses, the researchers up at the National Cancer Institute, two of them, Bernice Eddy and Sarah Stewart, discovered that there was a cancer-causing virus, which they named polyoma, and then they discovered the virus was in the polio vaccine.
4: And polyoma, meaning poly, meaning many, meaning that this one virus could cause a variety of cancers, I'm guessing.
1: In a variety of animals. Yeah okay it was both senses of poly and oma of course meaning tumors and
4: so so one virus if it were injected into rats into mice into monkeys into humans uh, all of these different animals would end up likely developing cancer that's a powerful weapon
1: cancers in and cancers in different locations in their bodies
4: mhm okay
1: okay and so when i read this okay I said, wait a second. If if that happened in the fifties, do we have a cancer epidemic today? Well, yes, we do. I mean, I talk all the time. I say, anybody not know anybody personally in their friends and family group that has cancer, and -hmm. nobody ever raises a hand. I mean, we are in the middle of a cancer epidemic, which is. 15, 16 times larger than the polio epidemic, and yet the media refuses to use the word epidemic with it.
4: Yeah, let me uh, let me put it into perspective. Um, any of us who might remember reading, let's just say, 8th grade, Gulliver's Travels, you know, by Jonathan Swift, written in the 1700s. In it, he refers to one of the characters having a cancer and it was such a rare, weird thing. And he describes it that way, like, who the hell? I mean, that we just hear about this stuff. And it was that rare up until the 1940s and 50s. And then by the 70s, it doubled and 80s, tripled in 90s. And it is exactly as you point out, everyone knows somebody or has dealt with it themselves.
1: And just to to put it in comparison to something, if you say September 11th, 2001, okay, that day we lost 3,500 people due to terrorism. That same day we lost 3,500 people due to cancer. The next day we lost 3,500 people due to cancer. Since September 11th, in America, we've lost 12.5 million people due to cancer. I mean, this is enormous. This is not a a small issue. And when when you go back, to say well who figured this out and then what did they do once they knew because they had just come through this polio vaccine exper- experience and they had three flavors of polio to work with in heavy medium and light and they started off doing polio heavy that was the salt vaccine most people don't realize this but salt got his vaccine pulled off the market after two weeks because it kept killing children and then they switched to the polio light version which was the sabin vaccine which wound up being the sugar cube vaccine um, which dealt with a, a benign strain basically of polio but the problem is this polyoma which they renamed sv40 this is the medical lingo s for simian that means monkey so this is simian virus 40 is really monkey virus number 40 so
4: and, meaning meaning that there were 39 previous monkey viruses that were used released if, turned into something
1: Yes, once they started looking, there was number three and number four and and it, you know i I have found people who are professional um genetics uh people who who do um sequencing and all that stuff, and they consider um s v forty the most carcinogenic or cancer causing uh entity they have ever run across. And so this is a big issue. And when I ran across this, I said, well, well, where are the the numbers? I mean, there must be statistics on this. And I went and got Nixon's war on cancer where they had 16 years' worth of of numbers there. And I, I put these numbers in the book, about page 205, and put some graphs on them. And you see this enormous epidemic of cancer erupt in the numbers after the polio vaccines, And so, and the big four, I mean, they're soft tissue, because soft tissues turn over faster than non-soft tissues. They're breast, prostate, melanoma, and um, lymphoma. And if I had to do that list over again, I'd also add in um, childhood brain cancers, because their numbers are up like I'm just going to
4: jump in, Ed, and reintroduce you because people come and go so quickly here, as Dorothy said in The Wizard of Oz. We're talking right now to Ed Haslam. He is the author of Dr. Mary's Monkey. It is the go-to book about... in a sense, weaponizing cancer. We're going to talk in just a minute about putting this stuff through a linear accelerator and dosing cancer with radiation in order to further mutate it, then carve up the tumors, reintroduce them back into an animal um, so they're even more potent, get a brand new tumor that's even worse, cut that baby up, throw it back into an animal, and go on and on. He's talking about simian virus number 40, SV40, and this is back during the President Kennedy days. He's connecting it with the Nixon administration in which things were funded, researches, and how cancer, um, as he rightly pointed out, kills over 3,000 people a day roughly. And nine eleven was 3,500 on that single day. But cancer every day subsequent to that takes out another 3,000 completely off the radar of the establishment media. And Ed Haslam, let's talk for just a minute about... Um, Uh, this notion of treating cancer, which is already a horrible thing, with radiation in order to further mutate it and make it even worse. Allegedly, in the early 1960s, this was to create a vaccine to get rid of cancer. But it looks like it went in another direction, didn't it?
1: Yes, when they started this project, which was 1960-61, they were kind of doing a medical Manhattan project because they were in a huge hurry to try to develop a vaccine against a cancer-causing virus. Of course, the public didn't even know there were cancer-causing viruses like today we do, okay? And they didn't have a benign strain, so they set up And they were in a hurry, so they were going to use radiation. So they set up this secret laboratory down in New Orleans with a linear particle accelerator so they could mutate these cancer-causing monkey viruses, hopefully producing a benign strain that could be used for a vaccine before the public found out about the contamination of the polio um, vaccine and wanted to lynch everybody involved. What happens right at that critical moment, 1962, you get Russian missiles coming into Cuba. And we have the Cuban Missile Crisis, and you know we're one minute to midnight and all that stuff. And New Orleans is inside that circle of the intermediate range missiles. And New Orleans has been hit economically really hard by Castro because they lost twenty five percent of their trade with the blockade, and they're worried about Castro spreading communism all to Latin America. And there go the bananas, and there go the coffee beans, and all the stuff that New Orleans depends on. And so. They come up with this idea. Basically, the CIA group in New Orleans is working with the mafia trying to kill Castro, that they're going to take this project. With the linear particle accelerator and weaponize the cancer so that they can create a biological weapon to get rid of Castro
4: So, and I, uh, one of the subjects in your book by the way, Ed Haslam is Judith Very Baker whom I had on here uh, in studio in LA uh, about a year ago talking about how she was told that the, explicitly that she was weaponizing cancer she was to purposely make it the worst thing possible so that when injected in do Castro or a pinprick walking by type of thing, as we see in the early James Bond movies, that it would wipe out the host, kill the person being pricked within 28 days, and that there was a time limit uh, by which she was supposed to have this thing done, but you can't rush science, but they were uh, endlessly making the worst kind of cancers imaginable, she admittedly said.
1: And after they killed hundreds of mice and dozens of monkeys, they decided they needed to test their weapon on a human. And where do you get a human that you can test a biological weapon on that nobody's going to miss? And the answer to that is on death row at Angola Penitentiary. And so this which, whole- is, which
4: is a uh, New Orleans-based or Louisiana-based uh, prison considered one of the worst on Earth, by the way. Horrible place. No witnesses. Nobody sees what goes in on there. No witnesses. It's just a, it's almost like its own island of prisoners that's isolated in such a way that you can test them in there and nobody knew about it.
1: And so they decide to take these prisoners out of Angola and take them over to this, uh mental hospital for the criminally insane, you know, which is heavily secured and stuff like a prison is. And that hospital is in Jackson, Louisiana. And, um, That's where Lee Oswald is seen, okay, up there and and down the road in Clinton. And what they're doing up there, and Judy uh, was part of this, was testing the biological weapon on the prisoners. And that was the first time they realized that um, what they were doing worked and that we killed the prisoner in 28 days, which just happens to be how long it took to kill Jack Ruby. So there's a lot of uh, concern over whether the weapon was actually used on Jack Ruby to shut him up when the time came.
2: travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-218-4909. 800-218-4909. 800-218-4909. Again, that's 800-218-4909. Reality Check Live with Carrie Harrison. News. Reality Check. Recap.
5: For Reality Check Live, I'm Mercy Malik and this is your Medical Minute. Your favorite breakfast cereal may cause cancer. CBS News reports that a recent study conducted by Environmental Working Group found that cancer-causing chemical glyphosate in 43 out of 45 oat-based American food products tested. Even more disturbing, 31 of the 45 sampled contained concentrations of glyphosate well in excess of levels considered by the FDA to be safe for consumption by children, and many scientists believe that the FDA's permissible levels are already too high. Products identified as containing potentially dangerous concentrations include multiple varieties of Quaker Oats, Cheerios, and back-to-nature granola. So where did the glyphosate come from? Look no further than the infamous Monsanto, because glyphosate is the active ingredient in the company's controversial weed killer, Roundup. Against ample evidence to the contrary, Monsanto continues to claim that glyphosate is not a carcinogen, yet the evidence was more than sufficient to convince a California jury to recently ordered the company to pay $289 million in damages to a plaintiff who successfully argued that his cancer was caused by exposure to Roundup. And now on a related note, your American Minute. When many of us hear the term crowdfunding, we think of people appealing for help to get a business or artistic project off the ground. But recent data from GoFundMe reveals that one out of three American crowdfunding campaigns are attempts to raise money to pay for medical bills. That's right. More than 33% of GoFundMe campaigns are motivated by an inability to pay for necessary medical treatment. Yahoo Finance reports that nearly 28 million Americans are still not covered by any type of health insurance, and many more are insufficiently covered. Under the current private American health insurance system, the U.S. spends more money on health care than any other nation in the world, yet comes in dead last among developed nations in rankings of overall quality of care. For Reality Check Live, I'm Mercy Malik.
0: Recap Reality Check Live. Realitychecklive.org.
6: Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines.
2: 800-218-4909. 800-218-4909. Again, that's 800-218-4909. That's 800-818-3967
4: This is Reality Checked Live in HD. We're talking right now with Ed Haslam. His book is called Dr. Mary's Monkey. Check it out online drmarysmonkey.com, exactly as I just said it drmarysmonkey.com. There's also an audiobook for, um, uh, and because Ed, many of our audience are under 50, so reading a big paper book um, may be ungreen, or it just may be inconvenient, the time needing to be spent. So the audio book is a great way also to absorb quickly and easily the information while you're at the gym or driving or whatever. Dr. Mary's you can get more information there published by trying day books. And uh, we love uh, Kent over trying day because he's got Big ones to support this kind of material. Fill your book with pictures, with diagrams, things that I've never seen before, that have never been available before to the general public. So it really is a go-to thing. We're talking about President John F. Kennedy's assassination, how it's all involved with these cancer experiments that went on in New Orleans by, you know, some genius uh, women, uh, one of whom was murdered for exposing how the polio vaccine that was given to your parents when you're listening right now, likely your parents' age, they were given this stuff. And it turns out that uh, many of those whoever received that might, in fact, ultimately develop a cancer, cancer being epidemic, killing several thousand a day right now in the U.S. and not part of the discussion and where some of this might have come from. We know that Lee Harvey Oswald, the guy who assassinated allegedly or the officially, we should say, uh, assassinated President Kennedy, was also transporting uh, nuclear materials from Oak Ridge, Tennessee back to New Orleans, where his girlfriend, Judith Ferry Baker, whom we spoke about earlier, who was supposed to be weaponizing the cancer, he was bringing back the the nuclear materials so that she could expose cancer to the nuclear materials to mutate them and make them even worse. So this is the guy who kills Kennedy. Why is he participating in a government project just months before?
1: And can you imagine what he could have said if he got into a courtroom? (laughs) <laughs> that's the big issue. Yeah. And if <laughs> yeah. he Oops. not exposed the, uh, the plotters, he could also talk about the bioweapon. Kerry, got one little detail I need to say about the website. Yeah. It's Dr. Mary's Monkey. Spell out Dr. Doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R. Mary's no apostrophe monkey dot com. And we've got the crime scene photos there. And I want to talk about this murder of Dr. Mary Sherman because they tried to portray this as some kind of lesbian sex flashing where somebody broke into her apartment and stabbed her and then set her on fire. Well, when you see the crime scene photos, what you realize is her entire right arm and rib cage have been disintegrated by heat. Okay? Well, but bones don't even burn. I mean, they, they disintegrated. About twenty percent of her body, and right next to that carbonized burn is unburned human hair. Well,
4: so it sounds like they used her own radiation on her.
1: Yeah, or so much electricity that it just blew out everything like a like a fuse. And we have the crime scene photos in the new book, um, which is a hardcover, and we've got new material in here. But the, and next Monday, we're a week from today, is the 50th anniversary of her death, which is what we're going to New Orleans to create some noise about this and release this new book. But if you want to see the crime scene photos like right now while you're listening to the show, they're on the Dr. Mary's Monkey uh, website to spell out the word doctor.
4: Yeah. And no apostrophe with Mary's, drmarysmonkey.com. We're talking right now to Ed Haslam. He is the author of Dr. Mary's Monkey. We're talking about the whole interconnection of the cancer industry, if you will, CIA backing, um, government money. That's your tax money or your parents, your grandparents' tax money back then, um, figuring out ways to make cancer 200 million times more potent than it ever is. We, we have an, a pandemic going on right now, possibly related, possibly not. But there's so much evidence showing connectivity and showing certainly the source. We were talking about SV40, that simian virus number 40, meaning there were 39 versions before. And um, right now, HIV is back in the conversation. There's something called PrEP, which is taking uh, an antiviral medication, uh, which is what happens if you're HIV positive, called Truvada, which is a way to control HIV. They're now offering it as PrEP, where you take it like birth control so that you can have um, condom-free sex and not become HIV positive. You take it every day in HIV med. So it's back in the news, constantly in the conversation. These simian viruses, is there any connection um, somehow tangentially to HIV? It's posited in the book and would love to hear your thoughts on it.
0: More Reality Check Live, straight ahead.
4: Now you can
6: fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid or anywhere else you want want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed call the international travel department
2: right now at low-cost airlines 800-218-4909 800-218-4909 again that's 800-218-4909 listen well it's
0: still legal reality check live
2: That's 800-818-3967
4: Reality Check Live with Carrie Harrison We're talking right now to Ed Haslam. He is the author of Dr. Mary's Monkey. We're talking about the whole interconnection of the cancer industry, if you will, a CIA backing, um, government money, that's your tax money. We were talking about SV40, that simian virus number 40, meaning there were 39 versions before. These simian viruses, is there any connection um, somehow tangentially to HIV? It's posited in the book, and would love to hear your thoughts on it.
1: Well, the assuming the mainstream... Um, Scientific community's explanation of AIDS is caused by HIV-1 is correct, and I'm going to just assume that and, and go on with the conversation at this point. Um, they say that the ancestor virus to HIV-1 is SIV, the simian immunodeficiency virus, which came from the African green monkey. And the SV40 actually came from an Asian um, macaque monkey, more commonly known as a rhesus monkey. But these monkeys were caged together. At the um, pharmaceuticals where they were doing the test, and they started getting cross infected. So, when they made the polio uh, epidemic, and they, I mean, they made the polio uh, vaccine and they took out the um, stuff from the monkey's kidneys, they got all of the other viruses that were in the monkey's kidneys, including SIV. Now, here's the, here's the point. SIV is a very different type of virus than uh, SV40. SV40 is a DNA virus. SV, um, SIV is called a retrovirus. It's only got RNA in it, all right? And they didn't even think back in the 50s that RNA viruses could cause a disease. Well, AIDS proved them wrong. But what, if you understand that both of these things are in the same batch of polio and you put it in, um, in a test tube, and you stick it in front of a linear particle accelerator, the radiation is not only going to hit the SV40, it's also going to hit the SIV. And the problem is if you wound one of those little viruses with gamma radiation, you have created a new thing. And so I am very Concerned, and I think it's a very scientifically sound argument that the idea, idea that SIV was mutated by radiation from a linear particle accelerator is a reasonable and plausible explanation for how HIV one mut—I mean how SIV mutated into HIV one—and it ought to be on the list of potential. Uh, backstories on AIDS.
4: Harrison with you. This is The Smart Show. You can follow us anytime on Twitter, at GoHarrison, at GoHarrison. Also, Instagram, same thing, GoHarrison. And on Facebook, keyword MyHarrison, or Carrie Harrison, or GoHarrison as well. On Facebook, follow us. We'll give you some awards and prizes for being uh, good that way. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have you aboard. We're talking right now with Ed Haslam. He is the author of Dr. Mary's Monkey D. DoctorMarysMonkey dot com, DoctorMarysMonkey dot com, and we've just got about five minutes left, Ed, and I very much appreciate this conversation. Um, one of the things that Judith Judith Very Baker the former girlfriend of Lee Harvey Oswald the one officially who killed John F. Kennedy the same one who was bringing these nuclear materials to New Orleans from Oak Ridge Tennessee so that Judith Very Baker could use them to experiment with cancer turn it into a weapon to kill Fidel Castro in 28 days Um, one of the things that she said is that these monkeys were infected with these viruses and I said well why didn't you just, you know, put them in a furnace and kill them and get rid of them. She said, because if you incinerate a monkey with a virus, it goes up in the air and it rains down and the virus, um, you know, hits the general population. So what they did is put them in something like a one thirty troop transport or some kind of plane, flew them to the middle of nowhere in Africa, let them loose in the jungle, figuring they would all be dead in two weeks anyway, and then they would just rot in the soil and go away. Um, this She knew that they were actually sent to Africa and let loose in the jungle in what she thought was going to be the middle of nowhere.
1: Well, a little bit closer to what's in my book is the fact that we now have... Um, testimony from people who lived in the um, apartment complex with Mary Sherman. There's only 13 apartments in there. And they saw Lee Oswald coming to the apartment on a regular basis, and he would go into the apartment of a fellow by the name of Juan Valdez, and they would start flushing the toilet over and over again like 20, 30 times in a row. And I asked the people who lived in the next apartment who would li- listen to this, because the pipes were in their wall of their bedroom, and they had to hear it. I said, did this happen once? And they said, oh, no, this happened like every night for over a month. Okay? So what's happening there, this is, I mean, maybe 30 feet from Mary Sherman's apartment. Lee Oswald's going into Mary Sherman's apartment. Getting the test tubes and all that stuff that had been brought there by Judith Curry Baker, filled with this irradiated cancer stuff, and he's walking into Juan Valdez's apartment and pouring him into the toilet and flushing him.
4: So where's that going? So we're talking about. I, I guess it's active, and I'm I'm not a uh, molecular biologist or anything, so I don't know if it. You flush it in the water, if it, you know, it gets drunk and becomes something down the road, but. Wow, it's it's a horrifying proposition, and uh, I guess with the soft tissue cancers that we have that are so rampant right now and everything else, just any kind of uh, idea or understanding of how things came to be and where they're likely to go uh, is helpful in some way, although there's sort of nothing we can do just as the regular person knowing that maybe this is where it came from. Um, except to, I suppose, imagine that there must be a cure because you're not going to create something without also being able to stop it, I would hope, right?
1: Well, <laughs> I would hope too. But, I mean, w- we really can't do anything if we don't know what happened. I mean, that, that is the situation they want us in, in ignorance, okay? And so my book, which is iconoclastic, but its mission is to present the evidence for people to open their eyes and say holy moly look what happened look what it's done and you know as today i mean we had this news story this week about the um smallpox vaccine okay and it, these geniuses find the smallpox vaccine in an fda building in bethesda maryland and they put it on an airplane and fly it to atlanta now that's on the assumption that the airplane's gonna, not going to crash, okay? And, and smallpox, for a lot of people, you know, smallpox in history is we, not really We're down
4: to 20 it. seconds, and okay. I'm so well, sorry.
1: killed 500 million people in the 20th century. That's twice as much as war, okay? So somebody needs to be exerting control over these geniuses.
4: Yes, for sure. Well, thankfully, your book is a guide, a microscope, a uh, proctoscope. It's all the scopes looking at it. It's Doctor, spelled D O C T O R, Marys, without the apostrophe monkey, DrMarysMonkey.com. Ed Haslam. thank you so much for joining us. Harrison with you. This is The Smart Show. You can check us out anytime at GoHarrison.com. GoHarrison.com.
3: This is Porky Pig. I, I never wear pants,
5: and, and, and neither does Harrison. <laughs> news. Reality Check Recap. For Reality Check Live, I'm Mercy Malik, and this is your Science Minute. Your cat, that's right, your cat, may be causing you to engage in entrepreneurial business pursuits, and it's all because of a parasite. UPI reports that a recent study conducted at the University of Colorado Boulder linked business management and entrepreneurial interests in humans to the presence of a parasite found in cat feces. The study mirrors similar findings collected from 42 countries over the last 25 years, and researchers theorize that the entrepreneurial aspect, at least, may be linked to the parasite's tendency to encourage pursuit of high-risk, high-reward activities, and to diminish fears of failure. Now, before you say, where can I get me some of that good stuff, be forewarned that the self-same parasite has also been correlated with extremely negative impulse behaviors, such as road rage, drug abuse, and even suicide. So before engaging in any impulsive activity, best to thoroughly consider all the possible consequences. And possibly even talk them over with your cat.
6: Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department
2: right now at Low Cost Airlines. 800 218 4909 800 218 4909 Again, that's 800
5: And finally, your surprise minute. It was the find of the century. A huge black granite sarcophagus unearthed in Alexandria. What could it contain? An ancient curse? A famous historical figure? Maybe even the remains of Alexander the Great? Nope. When archaeologists recently lifted the massive lid, they were surprised and disappointed to find three skeletons and a really bad smell. The BBC reports that the tomb had unfortunately been corrupted with sewage water, causing the mummies inside to disintegrate and causing researchers to flee from the stench. The Ministry of Antiquities issued a statement declaring that the bodies were most likely those of three military officials, a big letdown for those hoping for a major historical find. But on the upside, three skeletons and a stench, not a bad name for a band. You can follow me on social media at The Actual Mercy. For Reality Check Live, I'm Mercy Malik.
2: Recap Reality Check. 800-818-3967 800-818-3967 800-818-3967 That's 800-818-3967 Go
4: Harrison with you asking you this question how many Holocaust survivors are there really how many are still out there that we don't know about did you know that we're talking over a hundred thousand people I've spent a decade taking a bite out of conspiracy theories, unraveling urban legends, and grappling with worldwide top-secret issues. I've even racked up some of their awards, all while ferreting out the bottom line. Uh Uh-oh. On all topics, controversial, bizarre, and taboo. Interviewing movers and shakers, agitators and muckrakers. But that doesn't answer my question. That is all I'm answering. With me, Gary Harrison, as your guide.
2: travel it's that easy so call now and start packing 800-218-4909 800-218-4909 800-218-4909 again that's 800-218-4909 we've
4: all heard about the camps 6 million maybe it was 12 million 30 million people lost during the war maybe a lot more 65 million genocides around the world, but there are still hundreds of thousands of people who have gone missing and are still alive. And there's an organization called the Mitzvah Project, who's dedicated to helping the survivors of the Holocaust. And uh, I want to introduce to you Zane Busby. Zane, you know, is a CNN hero. You know her as a director from who knows how many episodes of The Golden Girls to whatever. She's also an actress, and she's put her heart and soul and her real talents behind finding people who are hidden all over the world, terrified half the time to come out in the open, who are survivors of the Holocaust. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah. thank you. I know that was a very dour introduction. I, like, well, know. I How do I get excited now? But this is exciting because you've is. already found over
3: two thousand people. Right? You know, it's 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 interesting because I'm a comedy person. Yeah. So I'm I'm a comedy director, and now I have one foot in comedy and one foot in the Holocaust, which is a very strange combination. But well, Hogan's it, it, heroes. Would yes, have been exactly. The <laughs> But uh, the Survivor Mitzvah Project is an organization. It's a humanitarian organization that is the only organization in the world bringing these people direct and continuous financial aid. So uh, these people are living in small huts. They need money for food, heat, and medication. These are the people who time forgot. These are the people who are the forgotten heroes of the Holocaust. Mm. These are the people who are out there. No one is helping them. And they're out there, and they're so... Glad to know that someone remembers. It changes their life. So we're a life-changing organization, not just for the survivors we help, but for all of the people who donate. Because when they change a life, you know, just by a donation, they get a great feeling, and it's a great feeling for me too. That every day I get to change a life for the better. Every day I get to save a life. Every day I get to be, you know, the cavalry. I get to be a a hero for these people, and Mm -hmm. so does everyone else who donates.
4: And that's the thing: is without somebody advocating for you. You're invisible. That's right. And, and you wither and die. And um, I'm just going to give a couple of personal anecdotes here because uh, I went to a place called Sachsenhausen, which is a camp outside of Berlin, about 30 miles mm-hmm. out in a town called Oringen, Say that 10 times quickly. And I got there and the Wiesenthal Center, the famous Simon Wiesenthal Center, didn't know where this place was. They knew the name of the town. I drew them a map on a napkin afterwards and I get to the town of Oringen and I ask Where's the camp? I, I don't really know what. How else do you ask? Right. Like, where's the camp? What camp? I said, you know, the big because it was really the first operating camp. That's it crazy. had the Arbeit macht frei, the famous slogan, "Work will set you free." It had uh, medical facilities. It had ovens, which was taken out because it's in former East Germany, and that's a key thing. The Soviet part of Germany, after the wall fell, it became part of regular Germany. But these camps continued until 1989, and they ended up as sort of gulags. They took right. the ovens out, but the commandant's office still had polished teak wood desks. It was still fully functioning. Right. We don't know about this in history.
3: Right. It, it, it's a part of history. I, I never knew. I took a two-week hiatus and thought I was just going to go to Eastern Europe and visit the birthplaces of my grandparents and find them. And when I crossed the border into Belarus, it was like going back in time, like yeah. 200 years. Yeah. It looked like a set from Fiddler on the Roof, you know, little wooden houses, no cars, no restaurants, no TV antennas, no electricity, and uh, It was just out in the boondocks. Downtown LA. Yes. (laughs) And I would knock on doors and no one would answer. And, you know, I would go around the back and all these old people were on their hands and knees digging up potatoes. Because if they didn't get their potatoes out of the ground, it was September before it froze, they wouldn't have winter food supply. They lived on potatoes, right? And then I would say, uh, you know, hello or shalom aleikum someone right. said. Say shalom aleikum so they don't think that you're an enemy, you know? Right, right. And I did, and they would just like burst into a big smile and invite us in, and we had tea, and they would tell their story. And I find that with the survivors that we're helping that are so in need, and I always ask them, what's the most important thing in life? Because some of them are very, very old. Mm. And they, to a person in every language we communicate in, they say kindness and compassion are the most important things in life. Kindness towards a stranger and compassion, because mm-hmm. each one of them was saved by an act of kindness. A piece of bread was thrown. They hid someone for the night. Yes. They, they, you know, they did one tiny act that saved someone's life. So they consider that to be the most important thing in life. Because things mean nothing to them. Possessions mean nothing because everything they had, every photograph, every every musical instrument, yes. anything was burned. So things don't mean anything, but five minutes between two people or a kind word that means the world to them that's right
4: I'm just gonna jump in for a second because people come and go and especially on radio we can't see you so I'm gonna reintroduce you Harrison with you this is go Harrison you can catch us anytime on Facebook as well keyword go Harrison on Twitter at go Harrison Instagram go Harrison the whole soup cat and pizzas we're talking right now to Zane Busby you know her as a director if you watch any kind of comedy television your name her name is gonna come up as the director you've seen her in different films and one of the nice things about artists who who are good artists is they always reflect what's going on in real life and at some point they decide uh, to put them, their own sort of comfort uh, in peril to do the right thing out there on behalf of other people and she is responsible for the success, the great success of the mitzvah project. And they're out there finding the last survivors of the Holocaust, of which there may be over a 100,000 still out there who desperately need help. And one of the things Zane has done already found 2,000 providing food, water, shelter, the things that you and I want. Many of us are underemployed these days where food, water, shelter, like, oh, I get it. I get it. But we have a way at least to find some of that food, water, shelter. Other people have nothing, and they're starving to death, and they've already been through the most horrific part of the world. And Hogan's Heroes, which if you're super young, you may have seen it on TV Land or Nick at Night, it was a comedy World War II. I mean, imagine a concentration camp comedy with comical Nazis. You'd never be able to get that green lit today, would (laughs) you? Okay, so we got the Burkhalter. No, it's not going to happen. It wasn't uh, Jewish, gay, trade unionists gypsies 0%, so they were able to get away with it. The point is that, I don't know what the point is, my train of thought just derailed wildly, but you but know you have a point.
3: Yes, one of the cast members of the original *Holocaust point was in a Nazi concentration okay, camp. And I
4: was just going to tell a story mm-hmm. about that. Um, his name was, jo- was uh, Robert Clary, mm-hmm. and he spoke at the Holocaust Museum yes. in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I recorded this in 1993 on a DAT recorder. Remember those? Yes. A DAT recorder. And he told his story and he came out as Jewish. Uh-huh. And he had the tattoo on his yes. arm. And he said, the reason I'm coming out as Jewish is because when I'm gone, there will be very few eyewitnesses that this ever happened. Mm -hmm. And as a gay guy, I connected with coming out because it's it's dangerous. You just don't know what's going to happen next. So I respect that. And this was an incredible act of bravery. And he had gone to Auschwitz and uh, Mm -hmm. he was from France, uh, from the Ile de la Cité and the German tanks had rolled down through Paris and had taken his entire family. And he was in there a full, almost 15 years and they had systematically, each family member, killed them in front of him to demoralize. Yes. And when they made this show, Hogan's Heroes, you remember the famous open where there's German shepherds Uh and the doghouse comes up and he crawls out? He said it took a week to shoot that one scene because he wet his pants every single time he saw the German shepherds. This is what's real for people.
3: Yes, and and the older they get, which is interesting, you know, the older people get, their short-term memory goes away, but their long-term memory becomes stronger. So now these people who are in their 80s and 90s, and we have some people over 100 years old, they now dream and 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 it's very and, and remember so much more than they ever did. Like, we have a guy, and he's in Lithuania, and he was a child during the Holocaust. And he went up to the edge of the killing pits where they killed, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, just mowed them down with machine yeah. guns. And his mother was standing with the baby, and they shot them first. Then they shot his father. And then there was a man in front of him, and the man said to the guard, Oh, um, I'd like one last cigarette. And for some crazy reason, the guard said, Okay. And the man... You know, leaned in and bit the guard on the neck and told the kid to run. So this kid, this kid ran into the bushes and he ran to the next village. By the time he got to the next village, the mobile killing squads, the Einsatzgruppen, was, was were there. So he ran again. Then he ran again, and he spent his whole you know childhood running. So I said to him, "Well, how is that for you?" He says, "Well, Zane," he says, "I dreamed that I'm running." You know, this is in his dreams. He dreams that he's running all the time because that's what he he knows. And we have people who were teenage partisans. Whole family killed. They ran into the forest because they were young and vital. They were 12 or 15, and they wanted to live so badly and they, they became partisans, you know, and, and they fought with gun, as they say, with guns in our hands, you know, and they fought the enemy, and then they sabotaged the German tanks, and they sabotaged the railroad lines, and we have a lot of partisans who now, at age 90, take us into the forest and show us the bunkers, and we have all this on videotape, because I've been recording this since I started the project, so we have hundreds of hours of video, and it's the most remarkable video archive, I think, on the Holocaust, because it is uh, not just talking heads, these are people taking us around as if the war happened yesterday.
4: Speaking of Talking Heads. We will continue in just a moment. Talking to Zane Busby, you know her as a very accomplished director virtually every comedy show you've probably ever seen in your life. Google her. You will never have enough time to explore all the different links. She is uh, the real propelling agent behind the Mitzvah Project where they're discovering the last remaining it could be a quarter of a million people who survived the Holocaust of whatever flavor and bent, as it were. It's not just Jewish people. It's not just this. It's not just that. It's, It's a panoply of human Beings who need food, water, and shelter. What's Thank the you. quick go to to follow you on the uh,
3: Survivor Mitzvah.org? <laughs> Survivor Mitzvah. And Mitzvah is M-I-T-Z-V-A-H. So Survivor Mitzvah.org. There's a great website. We've got films, we've got stories, we've got letters, and you can donate with one click or you can text to donate by just texting the word giving to 41444.
2: I don't think so. Get all the best TV programming at your fingertips at a fraction of the price of cable TV. So say adios, arrivederci, goodbye to the high cable bill and save up to 45% on Dish TV packages today. These are limited time offers and can change at any time. Call fast. 800-818-3967. 800-818-3967. 800-818-3967. That's 800-818-3967. 967
6: reality check
0: live with carrie harrison realitychecklive.org